good to see so many of you here this morning on Family Day weekend. Some of you are back again. Saw you last night. Welcome back again. That's great. Uh, and uh, as well, if you're visiting with us, just checking it out for the first time, we're glad you're here. Uh, and if you decided you were sleeping in this morning and you're catching up online, we're glad you're listening in online as well. And uh, we just wish we were you, but uh, we're glad that you uh, we're glad that you're taking some time to spend some time in the Word as well. And over the last number of weeks, we we've been in a series that was never intended to be a series. It was just going to be one message, but it's kind of led into a few different things. We, we spent some time talking about this idea of our rights and how often we fight for our rights and we fight to be right. And in, those, in, that, in that desire to be right, so often we, we unnecessarily separate and divide relationships. And uh, so it's the last little while we, we, we spent some time talking about um, just that idea of whether we're living for eternity or for spending all our time on, on this time that we have on earth, if all of our decisions only affect here and now. And so we fight for things that really don't matter in light of eternity, and then we forget about the things that really do matter for eternity. And one of the things that we, we talked about is that on the other side of every single issue and every argument and every disagreement that we have, politically, morally, whatever it is, there's a person there's another person on the other side, an incredibly valuable person to our Heavenly Father. And so we, we spent uh, a couple of weeks talking about that. You can find those online. Uh, and today I want to sort of transition from that series into another two-part thing. So this week and next week are directly connected, uh, and they're sort of connected to the, to the first couple of weeks. So uh, hopefully it all makes sense in the end. But today I just want to talk about this, this idea that sometimes we're more interested in being right than whether the person is all right. We're more interested in being right than whether the other person is all right. Three, t- three times this week, uh, I-, I had that question go through my mind, that thought, that prompting to ask somebody else, are you all right? Are you all right? The first, uh, first time I, I uh, was made aware of a young girl struggling with some incredibly difficult decisions to the point of hopelessness, not sure if, you know, if life was still worth living. And so I drove uh, over there because in my heart I had to, you know, ask face to face, are you all right? And so we spent a couple of hours talking, uh, talking that through. And, uh, and then, you know, there's another time this week, there was an accident on uh, Highway 6 there, right by Charlie and Sharon's Road. I don't know who that was, but as I, as I saw that, I saw them walking the road, it had just happened. And, and I, I was pulled over to the side and it was like, I want to just roll down my window and ask, you know, are you all right? And then I saw cars behind me and I, and I drove away. And uh, I know, and, and, and my, own, my own conscience afterwards just like pricking in my, in my uh, head again, you know, you, you don't know. You know, you didn't ask, and, and now you don't really know, you know, were they, were they all right? Um, they were walking around, so I'm hoping. And if it was you, I'm really sorry. I, 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 from the heart, I would have stopped. Um, but the, the other uh, time, uh, I was at the bank this week, and as I went into the bank, this, this girl followed me into the bank. Well, she, she didn't follow me. She just going to the bank. But as I walked into to the bank, I, I just noticed she looked so sad. And so I let her go ahead of me, and she didn't smile. And I'm like, I, there was something about us as, as, as I stood there, just this prompting, ask her, are you all right? And I was like, that's weird, you know, like, this is on camera, you know, I, like, what if this goes badly? And of course, all those other weird thoughts come into your head, right? And so I was like, okay, I'll out. And she walked out the door. And I was like, oh, and as I went through, finished my banking, whatever, I forgot to do what I forgot to get the money for my wife that I was there to do. And as I drove out, was that prompting? I'll never know now. I'll never know. Was she really all right? And it's not that I have that all the time. That's why it's not like every day, like everywhere that I'm going, it's like that Canadian thing. Hey, how you doing? It's not like that at all. It was this, this, this feeling of, 
ask, I don't know if they're all right. And you know what, that, this, this morning too, that is kind of what's on my heart for you. Are you all right? That's, that's the question that, that I have on my heart for you. And I, and I hope that you have it on your heart for our world as we um, finish off today. So the theme verse that we've looked at each week has uh, been from Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. And we've talked to different parts of this uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. And we're going to touch on another part. It's an amazing thing about the Word of God. It's, it's just unending in its inspiration, unending in how it can affect our lives. Paul wrote to the Philippian church and he said this to them. He says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. We talked a little bit about that thought last week, that we're pilgrims. That, you know, if we think about citizens of, citizenship here and citizens of heaven, they care about different rights. Citizens of, of, of Canada care about certain rights that citizens of heaven don't care about. And citizens of heaven care about different rights that citizens of Canada don't care about. And he said, you know what, you must live um, your life as a citizen of heaven. Uh, and Paul was concerned about the rights of the gospel. And so he said, you know, as citizens of heaven, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. He says, if you're living as a citizen of heaven, he says, I know one thing about you. He says, whether I ever see you again or I only hear about you, I'm going to know something about you. If you're living as a citizen of heaven, concerned about those kind of rights, he says, I will know that you are standing together. I know that if you're concerned about what, what heaven's concerned about, you guys will stand together with one spirit and one purpose. You'll fight together. Not fight against one another. You'll fight together for the faith, which is the good news. And so we just put in there big words, for the faith. So often we focus so much on what we're against rather than what we're for. We, we want people to know that we're against divorce when really we should be for marriage. We, we, I get up in arms of we're against abortion, whereas we should be maybe in the spot of being for life for the life of that child, for the life of that mom, for the life at any age that we're for life, that we're against other religions and we're against their beliefs and we're against the way they do things when God's calling us to be for those people because they're incredibly important to him. And we wrestle with that sometimes. And I, I don't know about, you know, your thought process, but when you face things, you feel like, oh, I'm against that and feel a need to say something. There's one right only one right that affects every single person that's ever lived on this planet, whether that's you, your friends, your parents, your family, your boss, whether they're liberal, conservative, Canadian, American, or even ISIS, there's one right that affects every single person on this planet. And this is the right that's most important. And I encourage you to think about whether it's the most important right that you think about. And it's this question. Are they right with God? Are they right with God? And we're like... What does that mean? You know, the, 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 the thing about being right or in right standing with God, it's the most important right that any person has because it's eternal. It's the one thing that's eternal. The Bible uses a word for being right with God and right standing with God, and it's the word righteous. We don't use that word very often. When's the last time you used the word righteous? Maybe 2007, right? We're like, that's righteous, dude. Anybody remember that? <laughs> Those days, yeah, that's, that's, that's way back, you know. And, and so if you, if you, you know, that's righteous, dude. If you, if you check out the Urban Dictionary on the, on the interpretation of that, it'll tell you that, that the, the word righteous is the ultimate of anything, especially sins of pleasure like lust, gluttony, or greed. What? Right, I know. Like, outside of church, that's kind of this idea. That's righteous, man. You just did, you did the worst to the max. Righteous, bro, right? Like, and, then, and then there's the other side that maybe you've heard of, 
you know, that person, they're so self-righteous. And that's not something you want anybody saying about it. It's not a compliment. It's this, it's this negative thing, right? They're arrogant, hypocritical, narrow-minded, self-righteous, blankety-blank, you fill in however you feel is appropriate, right? That's, that's the, the other side of righteous. And, and so we don't really ever use this word righteous in a, in a positive way. And yet the Bible describes the word righteous as being this idea of right standing with God. That when you meet God face-to-face, you're right with him. Like we said this morning, you can just boldly walk up because you know that you and him are good. So my question for you this morning is, are you all right with God? Are you all right with God? Are you righteous today? I just want you to ask yourself that question. Am I righteous today? And if so, how righteous are you? And so many of you now, it's like, well, I don't know. How do you know? And so you begin to think, and, and for some of you, your minds immediately start going back to this week. You're like, did I swear at work this week? Did I lie? You know, how righteous am I? Did I have, I, have I had any wrong thoughts? You know, did I speed on the way to church? Like, you know, did I yell at my wife this week? Did I, you know, mutter under my breath at my husband this week? You, know, you start thinking through these things and behavioral things. And for, oft, for many of us, Christianity in this, um, some of you are for, you're apologizing to your spouses. I see it right here, right here in the video. Like, I'm sorry, honey, I need to get more righteous. <laughs> uh, that, that, uh, that idea sometimes we think, though, that Christianity, and for many, they believe that Christianity is simply believe in Jesus and keep the Ten Commandments. Try and be a better person, right? Try and be a better person thinking that Christianity and this following Christ is primarily about our morals and our actions and our, and our rules. And I, I want to challenge you with this thought this morning of how you think about righteousness and right standing with God affects your life in a huge way, but it's also part of the underlying um, reason of, of, of why we get into conflict with other people, how we see our world. Romans chapter 3, if you have your Bible, uh, go there. We're going to take a look at it together. Romans chapter 3, Paul wrote to the Roman followers who, uh, it seemed like the early church kept getting away from this idea of what it meant to really be righteous, what that actually meant to be in right standing with God. And they would, Jesus had said, it's only by my sacrifice, it's only by what I've done for you that you're in right standing with God. And they're like, okay, yeah, we believe that. And then they would add a little bit of stuff to it. And so Paul wrote to the Romans and he said to them this, he says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him, made in right standing with God without keeping the requirements of the law. He's found a way to make us right with him in right standing with God without keeping the commandments, the Ten Commandments of the Law. And this was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, it says, We were made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. He's, we, it's not this idea of we earned it. It has nothing to do with our behavior as much as we were made right. Something happened to us as we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And he says this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. That's good news for each and every one of us this morning. For everyone has sinned. We all know that. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, it says. Yet God, in his grace, he freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. See, so often we, get, we, get this, we forget that we've been set free from the penalty of our sin. That what Jesus did on a cross 2,000 years ago, has the power today to set us free from the penalty of sin. You think, what's the penalty of sin? What does that mean? Uh, If you've ever been pulled over, you know that gut feeling of realizing, I'm about to experience the penalty of sin. 
You just don't know what it's going to be yet. It just, you know, you're speeding down the road. You're like, oh, man. You realize you see the lights, and it's like that sinking feeling that you're like, I know how fast I was going. I wonder how fast he thinks I was going, right? And you, and you hope, you hope, hope they're having a good day. Hope I can get out of this. Uh, and and you've been there? I, I got some tips for you today. Maybe this is why you came to church this morning. I've talked to a few people this week about getting pulled over. And this one lady at the restaurant, she had, uh, she had mentioned that she had gotten pulled over. And, and so I said, and, and what happened? She's like, oh, I didn't get a ticket. I was like, what'd you say? She's like, I, she, she said, the officer said, so, ma'am, why are you speeding? She's like, I'm speeding, I'm, I'm speeding on my way home because I really got to go to the bathroom. He's like, well, you better go then. <laughs> I'm trying that next time, you know. <laughs> You know, as we think about that sometimes, when we think about our penalty of sin, like when, we've, when we think about what we've done uh, and letting God down, none of us have to really think about the fact that we've let God down, that we've kind of broken his laws. We've let ourselves down. We know that if we think about ourselves, we know that we've, we've done things we know are wrong. We can't believe we did those things ourselves. And that at some point in our life, you know, at the end of our life, we give an account of everything that we've done before our creator and that God's a just judge. You know, we, we never want to just judge when we're the one in trouble. Then we want a merciful judge. We want the cop to let us off. But if it was someone else, you know, if it was this crazy guy who was speeding down the road, hit one of your kids, you know, ran over an old lady and finally gets caught and, you know, he's left this just uh, terror behind him and the policeman pulls him over, you're hoping he doesn't say, nah, you just have a warning, you can keep going, right? We want justice. Well, God being a good God is going to give justice to sin. And so as we stand before God, we're like, oh, you know, what, what, where, where am I right with you? And for a lot of us, we think of it in the terms of the second ticket rather than the first. We think about, we don't always think that we've been completely let off, that we've been completely pardoned and we're free to go. We sometimes get caught in that spot of like, oh, he's, he's dropped my sentence a bit. You know, he's not smoting me or killing me, but, oh man, I still better feel really guilty for all the stuff that I've done. You know, I really got to try and earn my way out of, out of this. I got to try and get myself into, to be better person. So, you know, I'm going to work really hard on that and be a better person and be in right standing with God. And he says, that's the, that's the thing, that, that's the trap that we can fall into. And Paul's writing to them and saying, listen, when you've been made right with God, it didn't have anything to do with your behavior then, and it doesn't now. As we, as we keep uh, reading, we realize the early church kept drifting away from it. He wrote letters to all of them. But the current church drifts away from that as well. And it just really comes down to the way, the voices that we hear. You know, Eve uh, in the garden. You know, God just gave her a couple commands. Adam and Eve, you know, hey, enjoy the garden, just don't eat from that tree. Pretty easy, right? Like, even a man can remember those two things, right? Like, Enjoy the garden. I can't keep lists of more than three things. So, you know, it's like, enjoy the garden, don't eat from the tree. Got it. And then all of a sudden, the enemy's voice comes to them and says, did God really say you can't eat from the tree? And they're like, mm, two things. Enjoy the garden, don't eat from the tree. Enjoy the garden. I don't know if he really said that. You know, and that does really look kind of good. And they, they reach out and they're like, yeah, you know what? He says, if you eat this fruit, you're not going to die. You're going to be more like God. And what they didn't realize is that they were already like God. They had been created in his image. They, they, there wasn't anything more that they could be, and yet they're like, did God really say? And so they reach out and, and steal it. We know where we are as a result. 
You know, Jesus, when he was in the, in the desert, Satan came to him and would tempt him right away, going after his identity, who he is. Same with Eve, same with Jesus. If you're the son of God, he's like, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus is not going, hmm, I wonder if I am the son of God. I'm not, I'm not, I am kind of hungry. He's like, no, I, I'm the son of God. It doesn't determine whether I'm going to turn stones into bread. And he, he says, you know, get behind me, Satan. He's like, uh, use a scripture to, to confront that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, again, well, if you're really the son of God, jump off the mountain because scripture says that the angels will catch you. He's like, I'm the son of God. I don't need to prove that to you. My identity is secure. And as he goes through that, finally, Satan gives up and leaves. But the same thing happens to us. You know, when Jesus and the word of God says, you are made right. You are completely pure, completely washed clean in the sacrifice of Jesus. The enemy keeps coming back. It's like, is that really true about you? I, I know you said you decided to follow Jesus, but you still sin, you know. You're a dirty, rotten sinner if you're really honest with yourself. I know what you looked at on the internet. I know how you spoke to your wife before. I know how fast you were driving on your way to church. You can't worship God. You can't, ra- you can't sing those songs. You're, you know, there's something wrong with you. And followers of Jesus come in, and they just have this guilt and this shame and this like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You know? And they begin focusing on, the th- on their behavior and what they've done. And he continually is trying to remind people that they're righteous. And if he can't get you that way, Satan, if he can't get you thinking about all the wrong stuff you've done, he's going to get you focused on all the good stuff you've done. He'll be like, you know, look how, you know, look how amazing you are. You, know, you used to have a problem with alcoholism, and, and now... You haven't drank alcohol in a whole month. Look at you. How good you are. Slaps you on the back. Congratulations. You should have a drink to celebrate. You know, it's, it's these thoughts where he gets us focused on how well we're doing. And, and, and both of those things are wrong because both of them, we look at our behavior. And it's this, this, this toxic um, view of love that we, we see all around us. I don't know if you were raised in a home where dad and mom were like, why can't you be more like your older brother? You know, if you did really good in sports, dad was there cheering for you, and you were awesome. And then if you weren't into sports, it was like, dad could care less about you. You know, if you did really good in your school grades, mom was like, you know, she'd give you a hug, and, you know, it's, it's awesome. And then if, if you weren't doing so well, I was like, you know, try better next time. And we know it shouldn't be that way, but so many grow up in that, that area where love's conditional based on how I behave, how I, uh, how I act, the things I do. That's where the love stands. Do you realize that God doesn't love like that? He doesn't. He doesn't love you based on behavior. That doesn't change anything uh, for, for his love for you. He is love. You know, good behavior doesn't make God love you more. It doesn't make you more right with God because you had a good week. And having a bad week doesn't make God love you any less. It's not based on that. And as long as we look at that, as long as we focus on our behavior, we find ourselves going through this trap of, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Oh, I sinned. You know, and now I'm down here again. I'm like, I've got to really repent. I've got to really you get, get better. I've got to try not to do that again. God, I promise, I promise, I promise I'll never do that again. Oh, hey, this was fun. Oh, and, and back again. And we spend our whole life in this. And then it's like this idea of share, share your faith, share your hope with the world. You're too busy either trying to get good with God or too busy sliding down this way that you don't even realize that there's anybody else around you. And so it's so important that we understand where we stand foundationally uh, with God, if we're right with God or not. Do you realize that Jesus never came to the planet to make, um, make bad people good? He didn't come here to make bad people behave better. He came to make dead people live. 
He came to change something from the very inside. And you, you see it in the life of Jesus. He came for people. It's crazy how people who are nothing like Jesus, like the sinners and tax collectors, they love to hang out with Jesus. And so there's a story in Mark where he, and, and in Matthew and in Luke, you can read it later. He's hanging out at, the, uh, at this tax collector's house with a whole bunch of tax collectors and sinners. And the religious people come around. They, they see it. And Jesus got all the crowds around him. And they're jealous. They want all the crowds around them. And so they go up to his disciples, and it's that same thing, that, that thing, you know, if your teacher's so good, why does he hang out with these scum? I, I love the words the Bible uses. Why does he hang out with these scum, these people who don't have it all together? And in and, and Mark chapter 2, Jesus' answer is this. Verse 17, it says, when Jesus heard this, because it got back to Jesus, it always does. He says, when, when he heard this, he said to them, he's like, the reason I came is healthy people don't need a doctor. He says, sick people do. He says, I have come not to call those who think they're righteous, not to call those who think they're right with God because of their good behavior. I came to call those who know that they need a Savior. That's who I came to call. That's who I came for. He was more concerned about their eternity um, uh, and, and rather than being right. He's more concerned about you know, uh, whether they were all right with him and with their father than just being right and, and having this, this uh, life that everybody could look at and go, wow, he was perfect. He came for others. Jesus came to restore right relationship with the father because no one else could. You know, the enemy keeps getting people focusing on rituals rather than relationship. That idea of, of you know, it's more important that we do religious things rather than knowing the father. And Jesus said, I, I didn't come here to give you more rules I, I didn't come here to make you try harder. I didn't come here to just say, okay, you know, I'll bring you to here, and now you got to, I'll, I'll put you here once. You know, I'll forgive all your sins. You accept me. I'll put you here once. Now you got to figure out how to stay here. You better be a good person. Didn't do that. That'd be like me with my dad saying, you know, I really want to know my dad, and, you know, I want to I have a relationship with my dad. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to find out where he likes to have all his tools in the van. I'll make sure I know exactly where they belong. I'm going to make sure that I know, you know, where he lives now and who he's married to and, and where his kids are. And I'll, I'll figure out what his names were like back in, you know, when he was in school, what they called him and his nicknames. I'm going to keep all the texts that he sent me and all three emails he's ever sent me. I'm going to, I'm going to keep all those. I'm going to reread them and read them and read them. And you'd be like, why don't you just go hang out with your dad? And he's saying the same thing. We can get so caught up in like, i got to be good. i got to try and read the Bible. i try and do all these things. It's, it's this thing of, I, that's going to keep me in, in, in good with God. Some of you, you're here this morning because of that. You're like, as long as I go to church, doesn't matter what I do the rest of the week. If I can go to church, I don't matter how far I'm down here. It doesn't matter what I did. I could have done a whole lot of things. But church always gets me back to here, and I can start again. He's saying that's not what it's all about at all. It was about this idea of doing relationship with your Heavenly Father. Something we need to be reminded of. And Paul had to write to all the churches and remind them of this. And he wrote this to them. He addressed the letters to Ephesus, to Corinth, to Galatia, to, to Rome. He says, I'm writing to the saints in Rome, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Corinth. And you're like, Paul, how can you call them saints? You don't even know what they, how their behavior has been. You don't know if they've been behaving like saints. And we know that he knew they weren't behaving like saints when he wrote to them. All through scripture, the rest of the letters, he's writing to them all this correction of things that they need to, to uh, look at in their lives. But he says, you know what? This is who you are. I'm reminding that you, you are a saint because he says you are. Not based on your behavior. It wasn't based on what you did to get here. He says, you're a saint because of what I did. 
what I did for you on a cross. And so he writes to us. He would write the same thing to the saints at Kingsway Church. And so we asked a question, you know, am I a saint? Some of you are like, this is like, are we going Catholic? Or, you know, what's, what's happening here? And, and for some, you wonder, like, what do you mean? Like, am I a saint? Would you ask yourself that question? If you're a follower of Jesus, would you call yourself a saint? Good. For some, you're like, well, I'm not sure. Let me ask you this question. What makes someone a sinner? What makes someone a sinner? And if we think in our head, well, someone who sins is what we would say. That's not what the Bible is talking about when it calls people a sinner or calls people a saint. See, the categ- it's a category thing. It's like this idea of um, a person sinning isn't what makes them a sinner. Every person, it says, was born into sin, born into this country, this category of sinner. This is where we started. Nobody had to teach us how to sin. We, just, we were born that way. And the same thing is, is, is you get born into a new kingdom. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're born into this side where he says you're a, you're a saint. Not because of your behavior. So he says, you know, when you sin over here, it's not like, oh, I've got to make it up and I've got to fix everything. God, I've got, I got to try harder. He's like, I made you a saint. You are, you, are, you are washed clean 100%. That mercy is new every morning for you. And for some of your minds starting to go, well, does that mean that we can just sin all the time? We're going to talk about that next week. Next, do not, if you just hear today and forget next week, you're going to be in trouble. And I'm just giving you fair warning. We're going to talk next week, part four, forgiven living. You'll want to, don't, don't want, you don't want to miss that. But it's this idea of you've been washed clean because of what he's done. And today, the only thought and the only point that I want to, to make is that you have been forgiven. 100% because of what Jesus did, not because of what we do. He writes these things to Ephesians and Corinthians. I want to close with these two verses. Maybe our, um, our uh, communion guys, if you guys want to start getting ready, it would be great. Just listen to these thoughts. Here's what he wrote. And he says it to believers. So same thing to you if you're a follower of Christ this morning. He says, God saved you. He, God made you right with himself. You didn't do it. You didn't earn it. You didn't do, do, do anything in your own behavior to get there. He says, God made you right by his grace simply when you believed, when you trusted in him. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. None of us can boast about it. It wasn't about what we've done at all. To the Corinthians, he wrote this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, has become a brand new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. That is amazing. When he says this is what happened, it wasn't like I just decided to like say a prayer and now I go to church on Sunday mornings. He's like, you became a brand new person. I took you from there and I put you here. You're 100% right with me. You are, you are completely changed, completely new on the inside. Thank you. He says this, all of this is a gift from God. He said, it's a gift. You don't earn a gift. At Christmas time, when your parents or somebody gives you a gift, you don't hand them 50 bucks. Say, you know, here, that's just to cover the $50 you spend on my present. You know, you, you don't do that. You don't, you know, if somebody gives you something for free, you don't try, you don't, you don't have to earn it. It's, it's yours. It's been given to you. And it's the same thing. When you think about that, that's a pretty amazing gift. Verse 18. This gift is from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God's given us, he's given us this task of reconciling people to him. He's brought us to a place of being in right relationship with him. And now he's telling you, 
bring others to that place as well. You have something incredible to offer them. And it's not this life of back and forth and like guilt, go church on Sunday, feel better. And then, oh, no, sin, sin, sin. And then feel better. He's like, that's not what he's offering people. You have a chance to have a relationship with your Father, and you can bring others to that same thing. It says, for God was in Christ. He's reconciling the world to himself. He's no longer counting people's sins against them. He's pardoned them. He's letting them off the, the hook because Christ paid for the, the penalty. It says he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we're Christ's ambassadors. We're not from here, not citizens of here and, and everything about here. We're representing him. And God is making his appeal through us. So we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And maybe for you this morning, that's what he's saying to you. Come back to to God. Come back to your heavenly father. Not come back to learn some rules. Not come back to try harder. Not come back to, you can do it. He's like, you could never do it. Just come back to me and I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. And he says, this is how he did it. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. What we're celebrating here with communion is this thought, the price that was paid for us, it was already done and it holds the power to change lives today. What does it mean for us today? If if you're here this morning as a follower of Jesus and you put your trust completely, you trust completely that it's not your works but that what Christ has done for you, that, that his death and resurrection is complete payment for your sin. It's completely washed it away. You are righteous. You're right with God. There's no doubt and there never needs to be doubt. You are right with God because of what he's done. And he's reminding you of that today. If, this morning, if you're here and you're not sure, you're not sure you can be made right with God today. You can know that you are right with him simply, simply by acknowledging that you need it. You know, if you realize, yeah, you know, I have sin, and I, there's, there's things in my life where, where I know that, that it's, it, it's this guilt, it's this shame, it's this dark part of me that I don't love. He says, acknowledging that I need someone else to take that away from me. Believing that Jesus is the one who died on a cross to pay a, a price, a penalty for, for that sin to wash it away. And then to gratefully turn your life over and, and follow him out of gratitude. Just thankful for being in this place. Want to remind you this morning of how much we have to be thankful for. The chance to live forgiven every day. Just to be able to walk realizing he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. I can love my world no matter what they believe, what they think. I don't have to fight with anybody. He loves me and he loves them too. He loves me and living in that. I don't have to try and be better than them because I could never do that. The only good in me is what Christ has done in me and what Christ has done for me. And all the evil and struggles that they go through, the only good that can happen in their life is if it's Christ in them. So it's not about me being right today. The question is, are you all right? And today, as we think about that, you know, maybe you're trusting in your own good works. Maybe going to church with something you're like, I'm hoping this is going to make me a better person. You hold in your hand two emblems this morning, a piece of bread and a little cup of grape juice. You know, why, where did that come from? Jesus sat with his disciples one night just before he was about to go to the cross for them. And he told them this, and he says it to each and every one of us. He says he took a piece of bread and he handed it around to them and he said to them, guys, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember something. And, and, and I want you to pass this down from generation to generation so that 2,000 years from now in a little place called Kingsway, they're going to have the chance to remember what I did for them. 
Do you know why he was so, uh, it was so important that we would remember what Jesus did for us? Because you always have a voice in your head trying to remind you of what you've done. Always reminding you of your past and your failures and your guilt and the reasons why you shouldn't be good with God. He's like, I just want to remind you there's one reason why you are. One reason alone. It's what I did for you on a cross. And so today I want you just to put your name in there as Jesus says to you, to you, Ryan, Bob, Charlie, Pete, Mary, Sue, Gladys, whatever. This is my body, which is broken for you. I'm going to go and do what you can never do. That this, this has been done for your healing. This has been done for, for you to pay the penalty of your sin to this. And as you take it, remember. Remember me. Remember. Get your eyes on me because I did this for you. So let's do that together this morning. Jesus, thank you. As we think about your body broken on, a, on that cross, the incredible pain that you went through. And you could have just left, but you didn't. You saw us and knew we needed this. So thank you. Thank you for going through all of that for us. We honor you today as we remember you as we take this today. And then he said he took a, a glass. He passed it around. He said you, the, that there was always, life was always required for sin. He says, when you, when you turn against the author of life, then life is required. And through the Old Testament, he said, you know, we'll substitute something for your life. It was the people who sinned. They would kill a lamb to substitute, giving a life for their life. But he says, you know what, I'm going to lay my life down once and for all, for all of your lives. That there's no sin that can separate you from God. There isn't. You know, it's going to separate you from people around you, maybe. But what Jesus did for you, it was powerful enough. It was powerful enough to make you right with God. I don't know about you, but for me, that is a massive, massive blessing. Today, as he says to you, this is the new the sign of a new covenant, a new deal. That deal doesn't get broken. It's that I'll give my life for you, that it washes away your sin. It doesn't cover your sin. Your sin's not covered and still there that, you know, you've got to think about it. He says, I wash it all away. So as, as you know, today you're thinking about the sins of yesterday, the things of your, of your past, and you say, God, I'm so sorry about that. He's like, what? He doesn't remember. It's washed away. And so today as you take this, I want to encourage you to realize and, and just believe as you leave this place that you walk out of here 100% completely forgiven because of what Jesus did. Would you do that with me? Jesus, it is because of our need for you that we realize this and take this today and, and remember that it was your incredible sacrifice. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving your life for me. My life is not the same because of that. And so today, as we, as a family, as a group of people from different walks of life in different places, as we've made the decision to follow after you and to receive your forgiveness, Lord, help us as we go out this week, as we see our world, to not see their behavior, but to see their soul, to see that and wonder if they're all right with you and to share with them the message that can help them become right with you, that they're forgiven. Lord, help us to share that with them this week. And I pray that you help us when the voices come to our head to try and tell us, you know, where we're guilty or where we're wrong. That we'll just remember and run straight to you where you've made us right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That is incredible good news. Love you and want to live our lives in honor of that sacrifice this week. It's in your name we pray. Amen.